Hi, I'm Chelsea Neumeyer and I'm a time management and productivity coach. My goal is to help you go from overwhelmed to under control without a strict schedule or a bunch of productivity hacks. Each week, we'll talk about productivity mindset, actionable advice, my favorite resources, and you'll hear from guests just like you who are maximizing their limited resources. If you're anything like me, you're listening to this on the go, so check out the show notes and follow me on Instagram to learn more. Okay, let's start the episode. Hi, everyone. Today, I am so excited to be welcoming Kevin Keppel onto the show. Kevin loves to be outside in nature, is an Ironman athlete, and has the most fun, aside from being in the mountains with his dog, Frank, when he is helping successful but stressed business owners and executives create more impact by aligning with their heart so that they can truly maximize their genius and find more access to happiness and aliveness. And I love this topic. I'm so excited to have you on the show because leadership and productivity and efficiency are so closely tied together. So I think this is going to be a great conversation. So welcome. Thanks, Chelsea. What's up, everybody? So I read your bio, but I'd love to hear in your own words, what brought you to where you are today and in your business? Sure. Started a long time ago. Yeah. Far away place, actually right down the street. But, you know, like uh, so many people, you know, I went to college when we got out of high school because that's what you do, right? We go to college. And I remember like sitting down with, I don't know, they had us like all in a, like, a room and they're like, you're talking to somebody when you're, this is like, old school, right? Like when you're picking out your classes at the table, you couldn't do it online. Like, oh my gosh, it was so much work just to get registered. Like that was harder than the actual like college part. But this guy was like sitting there looking at me. He's like, what do you want to do? I don't know. I was like, I don't know, man. What do you want to do? And he's like, no, like with your life. I was like, man, I have no idea. I was like, did I barely made it here today? I can barely get dressed at this age. You know, how do I know what I want to do with this? What should I do? And he's like, I don't know. Do you like business? I was like, yeah, I guess. He's like, well, then you should study business. I'm like, okay, I'll study business. You know, my dad's a professional. He's a CPA, owns his own firm. And I knew I didn't want to be an accountant. I knew that much. And like, man, you work a lot. And that wasn't, you know, the reason there's just no passion there for me. I knew that much. Anyways, long story short, I studied strategic management. And uh, I was smart enough to pick entrepreneurship as the minor. Because it, even at a young age, I knew I was pretty much unemployable and I don't really like being told what to do. So I went into the the world, the real world and worked in hospitality for a, a long time. And, you know, I was pretty convinced I wanted to open like a high-end restaurant with a friend of mine. And after, you know, working as kind of a regional manager for a few years, I realized I didn't want to do that. That's a really hard profession. God bless mm-hmm. anybody who works in that. It's like you get a lot of grief. You get grief from your staff, grief from your customers, grief from your bosses, and I was like, when, when do I win? And you work a lot. Mm-hmm. And so actually transferred into professional sales. I worked in uh, enterprise software sales and I uh, really like sales. I really like helping people get what they want. That's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And also you're not capped at a salary. And I was had a lot of success doing that and went into financial services after a few years, which is another version of sales. And I was like winning the trips that you win if you're doing well. And I got promoted to director of sales and now I'm in charge of people. And I was really unhappy <laughs> and I remember getting a check and it was like, you know, big check, like not a big check, like TV, like when you win the award, you know, but like a large amount of money deposited directly into my account. And I remember thinking, you know, if this was, you know, a million dollars, I don't think I'd be happy. There was just like mm-hmm. no joy in it and no amount would have made me feel any different. At least that's how I felt. And so I was working with a business coach and I was like, man, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm in the right place. And he's like, well, what do you mean? You know, tell me what you like about your job. And I was like, well, I love this and I love that and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, dude, I don't even think you like your job, man. Like you won't even look at me when you're talking to me. You're like slumped down in your chair. Your tone got all weird. I was like, well, some things could be better, you know? And like, that was the canned answer. I didn't even know I was giving. And like, really, we got clear that I really liked helping people, you know, 
be more without making them feel like less, especially, but help, you know, be more successful in whatever they're doing and get to where they want to be. And so long story short, my coach is like, you should be a coach and, you know, limiting beliefs kicked in. I was like, well, I don't want to struggle. And Mm -hmm. anyways, that was like, I don't know, 10 or so years ago. And fortunately I listened to the advice and, you know, there's a couple more steps in it, but uh, I stepped over to eventually I launched my own business a years back. And uh, now I get to help really leaders, you know, be more without making them feel like less. That's really cool because that's what it's all about. It's about growth and giving, you know, the more we grow, the more we can give and serve. And, you know, as leaders, you know, like I don't need a team to be a leader. Everybody's a leader, you know, like I see, you know, children that are leaders and, you know, people who are senior citizens that are leaders, you know, it's just leadership is a behavior. It's not really a, you know, a position. Oh, that's great. And I always love hearing people's stories because so many of us have these journeys and I'm, I graduated as an engineer and <laughs> now I work in nonprofit and productivity coaching. So we all have our own paths to get to where we are. And it's a lot to expect of any 18 year old to know what they're going to be when they grow up. So I love hearing that and, and that you found something that does bring you joy. What branch of engineering were you in? I own medical. Oh yeah. Something simple, right? <laughs> Super simple like that. What, one of my awesome clients is a, in his words, a reformed mechanical engineer. Like, like you were definitely an engineer, you know, he's, he's really brilliant. He's a lot of fun to work with. Yeah. We have our quirks for sure. I, mean, I always say that if I could go back and do it over, I would actually probably do it the exact same way because it made me work really, really hard. And I learned how to talk to anybody. Well, you're probably a bit of a unicorn in that space because you have a pretty high EQ after talking to you a couple of times. And not that that's not something some engineers have, but it's not prevalent necessarily. Right. You know, lots of IQ, but you know, IQ gets you in the door, EQ gets you promoted and great quote from somebody. Right. And uh, yeah, I think that what's brilliant about you and your clients really benefit from is that you can be philosophical and pragmatic at the same time. And that's really, really powerful. Absolutely. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit more about the leaders that you work with and what are they coming to you for help with? Yeah, quite often, you know, it's always the same, but different, you know, generally it's either business owners or executives and they've created success in their life, but there's some chaos that came along with that success. And, you know, quite often it's the success or the business or, you know, the career is the villain and they've become the victim to that villain. And, you know, it's, you know, we want, we always want better performance, right? You know, because again, the more we grow, the more we can give, but, you know, really people are just looking for freedom, you know, freedom from overstress, freedom from overwork and really learning how to be productive and not just busy and really finding more access to happiness and aliveness so that they can, you know, truly step into their natural genius and use that and, you know, the most unique way possible because, that's like where we have the most fun. That's where we find joy and, you know, joy is love expressed. So I want as much joy as possible. It's when I'm owning my uniqueness, not when I'm attempting to be, you know, a, I can't even say it, biomedical engineer that whatever you say, yeah. emulate the words. Yeah. I know you talk a lot about natural genius and, and that productivity piece and finding joy. So can you talk a little bit more about that natural genius and how someone could start to figure out what that is for themselves? Yeah. I mean, what a great question. And, you know, like uh, when it comes to talent, right, talent's not rare. What's rare is people who understand their talent and how to use it on demand. And, you know, like there's a million different assessments under the sun. You know, I have a certification with Gallup to train and coach with strength finders. And that's one that I really love to use, but it's not the only one we use, but it's definitely the dominant one. But it's so powerful because it's like, hey, here's your natural talents, you know, and if you pay attention to these, they can become strengths. And, you know, not only here's what it looks like when you create superb performance on demand and really own your genius, 
but here's what it looks like when you give away all your power and really start trying to force things. And instead of creating, you're just reacting. And, you know, I, I, I was there pretty much from age 15 to 30. It was like every day was more or less the same, just a little different, a little bit harder. I was like trying to make things bend to my will instead of just letting it be easy. And like when you're constantly, you know, reacting and forcing, there's no flow. And, you know, without flow, everything is done through sheer effort. And like, you don't have to take the long way and do everything the hard way. You know, contrary to like every dude on the planet's belief, right? Sometimes you can let it be easy. Yeah. That's so good. I'm a, I'm a sucker for assessment. So love Gallup. That's a great one. And those natural tendencies are something that I like to talk about a lot with my clients as well, because we talk about productivity as personal, right? You want to be able to lean into the things that you're really good at and the way that our life is structured. So when you're working with someone and, you know, they are not working within one of these strengths or in their zone of natural genius, how do you start how do they start identifying some of those roadblocks in their path? Yeah. Well, I mean, really awareness is the place that you're going to spend the most time being aware of what it looks like when I'm in my strengths and what it looks like when I'm not, because if I don't know what I'm looking for, it makes it really hard for me to get it. And so first and foremost, it's just like, Hey, based on the 30 plus million times they've given this assessment, people with these patterns of behavior or these strengths, this is what it looks like when you're you know, owning your power. And this is what it looks like when you're giving it away. And man, that right there is really powerful because, and usually like there's a document I use called the balcony in the basement, you know, the balcony being the positive side and the basement being the negative side. And Gallup used to use that lingo, but they don't anymore, but it's still relevant. And it's really powerful when you have statistical data. It's like, Hey, here's what it looks like when you show up, not as your best self. It's much you know more powerful and conducive to the, you know, the people you're working with creating an insight. And when people have that sight from within, like that works way better than me telling you like, Hey, you're being a jerk or whatever. Like not that we say that to people, but yeah. And helping people also understand so many people are stuck processing just incoming information and in a really like way that's incongruent with the way that we're designed. It's like most people start with the mind first and information comes in and they get really logical and factual and data-driven. I'm like, yeah, but if you've never done this thing you're looking to create, which is creativity, right? Then you don't have data for that. And if you're solely relying on the mind, the mind's constantly trying to prove to you what it thinks is true. It's not malicious, but it has a beginning and an end. And if I have this infinite part of me, I want to leverage the infinite parts of me. And so it's much more conducive to you know, high levels of performance if you process data from you know the bottom up, so to speak, going from the gut first and then the heart and then the mind. Because the gut's like our intuition, you know, our knowingness. Like when you know, you know, like... You know, like you didn't have to be told that you were in love with your husband. Probably, I would assume, make an assumption <laughs> no. there, right? Like you just kind of sure. knew, right? He's like, "Hey, you love me." <laughs> no, maybe back in the caveman days, but you know, these days, like we know, we know what's for us, we know what's mm-hmm. for us. But and with intuition, the more you listen to it, the easier it is to identify for sure. But we also have that other voice inside of us, the ego that lives in the mind. But, you know, in my experience, the ego is more of a screamer and the intuition is a little more subtle and just really understanding how to delineate between those two is really powerful. And then you you go into your heart to really find the love because that's the energy behind this intuition. Like, where's that? And then I go into my mind for the, you know, to plan and to plot and do all that stuff that the mind's really, really great for. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. When you're in a leadership role, I think probably one of the hardest parts is that you have not only your priorities and only the things that you're working on, but you're also working with a team, assumingly, right? You you typically have people who are working for you or with you. How do you prioritize your own work and your own needs 
as a team versus kind of the rest of the people's priorities. Well, you make it all about you and <laughs> get everybody to conform to your will. Now, you know, I think that's really important to understand, you know, like what's the overall purpose, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the organization, the team, the company or whatever. And then how does my individual purpose tie into that? And, you know, quite often there's, you know, going to be so much crossover and, you know, really me getting what I want, how does that serve the whole? And you know, lining those two things up as powerful as you can. And when you do that for yourself, that's really good because then you can do that for other people. You know, show in the people that you lead. Hey, here's how you getting what, you know, the company wants or whatever that, you know, supporting the team helps you get what you want, you know, whatever that may be. Because we all need purpose. And, you know, purpose is so powerful, but so many people just aren't clear. And, you know, the way that you know if you're clear or not is ask yourself two questions. Like, you know, what do I want and why do I want it? And, you know, what is like, you know, what am I passionate about creating right now? And then the why is like, how do I mix generosity into that passion, right? What's the purpose? You know, why is this important? Why should anybody else care? And, you know, that's really great when you can answer those two questions, because, you know, pretty generally, you're going to be, you know, showing up in an effort to serve as an effort to like get what's mine. But, you know, a little caveat on those two questions, just make sure you keep it at two questions because people and the ego wants to know. So it's like, how? How am I going to do this? Like, well, if you knew how, you've already done it, right? You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's the beauty of the unknown. The unknowns where like all the magic lives. And, you know, if you're totally owning your genius and your uniqueness, like you're going to spend a lot of time in the unknown doing things that haven't been done before. And, you know, one of the ways that you know you're going in the right direction into the unknown is when people, you know, start giving you possibly negative feedback. <laughs> because, you know, in my experience, when you start like, you know, going to the edges of your, you know, genius your uniqueness that's when people you know start trying to chop the po tall poppy down right mm -hmm. because as long as you're pandering to average pandering to the middle nobody gets upset but when you start taking a stand and you start making a difference you know that's when people start resonating with you or you know moving away from you and you know even though it may feel personal it's not that's that's feedback that's good that means you're doing something yeah. different yeah and i love what you said too about the that quote of iq gets you the job eq gets you promoted right because it is really so much more than just here's the plan, let's follow it, right? And and really getting people on board with that, understanding what their needs are going to be in the group, both from a work perspective, right? How what their work style is, what their how their what their natural genius is, what their strengths are, and really being able to capitalize on all of those good things to make the team stronger as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're never going to create the level of success you're capable of as a one man band or one woman band, you know, and you, you've got to surround yourself with people who can do the things you can't do. Cause if you don't, you're going to spend a lot of time doing things you don't want to do that you're not good at. You're going to put them off. You're going to create a tremendous amount of resistance. You're going to waste a lot of time. One of the things I like to do on this show is take a look at behind the scenes for different entrepreneurs, right. And how you like to manage your time, and get everything done that you do. So could you take us behind the scenes to what an average day or week looks like for you? Sure. So I usually get up around five, five, five thirty if I sleep in, because I really like the mornings because it's pretty still and pretty quiet. Mm -hmm. And you know, I can get a tremendous amount of things done. And, you know, I usually start in some sort of stillness, you know, meditation, breathing exercises. I do a lot of writing in the morning and just being really quiet. And, you know, because when I start from stillness, like that's one of the most powerful ways to come into the day, as opposed to just waking up and like whatever comes at me is coming at me. You know, that's such a hard way to come into the day. It's like being birthed all over again. You know, the bright light hits you in the face. There's people smacking you on the bottom and you're like, what is going on? Yeah, it's a lot. But, 
Yeah, but when you start the day on your terms, it's really powerful. And, you know, so, you know, after a few hours go by, I usually go for a walk with my dog, Frank, and Frank and I like our walks and it feels really good to get outside. And, you know, usually by the time it's kind of the first morning rays and getting that early sunlight, it's pretty powerful. You get lots of good dopamine from that. And then I come home and usually start working with the people around, you know, nine or 10 and take a couple of client calls and usually do a podcast interview or two, either host or guest. And I usually try to wrap up the you know client part around lunchtime or between one and two, because I know during the afternoons that I'm less engaged and I want to show up hundred percent when I'm working with people. Mm-hmm. And so the afternoons, I usually go work out and then I'll come back. If I have some more stuff left over to do, I'll take care of that. But I'm really intentional about always leaving something in the well for tomorrow. Because I think so many people, you know, under this illusion that you've got to, you know, Elon Musk it and work 23 and a half hours a day to be successful. Yeah, maybe if you want to go to Mars in your own rocket ship. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, that's just not like I didn't create my own business so I could be, you know, just disconnected and worn out from, you know, the business. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, it's a great schedule. And I love being able to recognize when, when you're most engaged and then that's when you do that most important client work, right? And and making sure that that's aligning with your natural awakeness and natural rhythms. That's so important when you're setting your schedule. And to your point, as an entrepreneur, we get to make our own schedule to some extent, right? And so being able to make those adjustments is, is nice because we can control that. Yeah. I really like to do what I want to do when <laughs> I want to do it. Right. But, and you know, at the end of the day, I want to give the people that I work with, you know, the very best parts of me and like you said, I know when that is and when it isn't. Um, what about flexibility? How does flexibility show up in your schedule, right? Because one of the things I also like to understand too is pe- it doesn't sound like you have a very rigid schedule, but everybody has stuff come up. And so how do you adapt when there's those unexpected calls or meetings or tech issues that happen and throw off your, your kind of rhythm of your day? Sure. You know, I think uh, one of the greatest skills that anybody can learn, not just in business and life in general, is learning to detach from the outcome. Because there's really two ways that I can respond to any you know situation with attachment or acceptance. And attachment is me needing things to be a certain way for me to be okay, or needing other people to be a certain way for me to be okay. And that's really dangerous because people are the world's greatest variable and change is one guarantee we get. Things are going to change. People are going to, you know, show up differently than we would like them to sometimes. And, you know, I'm sure it works with the people that I interact with, right? They want me different, sometimes, whatever. But if I'm attached to this one way that things need to be, well, that's really dangerous because that's an expectation. And expectations give me no way to win. Like if it happens the way I expected, that's what I expected. That's not a win. And if it doesn't, then I've failed or someone's failed me or the situation's failed me. And then I'm sideways and, mm-hmm. you know, acceptance, like, cool, man, whatever it is, is. You know, and like Buddha, man, all suffering comes from wanting things to be different than they actually are. And so like you can, you know, understand this and your life will get so much better. It's not the people around you, the situations you're in that make you happy or unhappy. It's the thinking in your head and the, you know, the stories you attach to it. How do you keep track of all of those things that you have to do? Do you, are you more of a digital person or more of a paper person? I'd like to do it all got digital notes everywhere. I've got physical notes everywhere. I love, I really like Moleskin books so I can, you know, capture notes in there. And then I'll even put it on like note cards just so I can have in front of me and flip through the most recent things that seem to intrigue me. And then of course, like the notes app is full of things on my phone and 
like I've got I'll find like Word documents I created. I'm like, oh yeah, remember this? Like three years ago, I guess I guess I didn't remember that or whatever. But it's yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I write down a lot so that I don't know. I just think that's one of the best ways when you physically do it, you know, with a pen or a pencil or whatever, crayon, whatever you're using over there. Yeah. Just to really physically write it down. And it's really powerful. And it's also a cool like way to kind of like go in the past and see, you know, what you were thinking or how you thought about something when you first captured it. Now it's like reading a book you've already read. It's really cool because you'll remember certain parts you read and how you thought about it then and how you think about it now. And it's really nice to show you the, you know, transformation that you're creating for yourself. Because, you know, it's like, it's like getting, you know, more fit, whatever that means. You know, it's like you start working out again after you haven't worked out for a while. You look at yourself 80 times that first day in the mirror. You're like, I haven't lost any weight yet. I worked out for today. You know, it's the like same thing in personal growth. We're with us all the time. So it's not always easy to see, but it's, you know, not in a way to be like, you know, narcissistic, prideful, but it's nice to see transformation. Because, yeah. You know, sometimes it feels like it's, you know, a little stagnant, even when it's not. So just giving yourself that gift is really powerful. Yeah, that's true. And we, I mean, we create so much content these days that having, being able to, to see that progression can also be really reinforcing that you're growing and changing and getting better. Cause I know it's something that's, you know, pretty scary about being an entrepreneur. And I talk about this quite a bit too, is that it's really, you know, it's that fear of getting started or putting something out into the world that other people are going to have reactions to. And so trusting that things are going to get better. So have you found that to be true for you as well, that you can look back at something that was three years ago and say, man, this is, this has gotten better. I've changed and improved in this way. Yeah. I <laughs> just approach it with a lot of grace, you yes. know, because if I go looking for something to be wrong, then I'll always find something wrong, but you know, it's really powerful. One of the ways that I, I use, you know, past creations, whatever they may be notes, you know, post podcast, it's, you know, going back and looking at it with grace and really just having, you know, compassion for past me. And using that same kind of flow of compassion and even empathy, you know, what was I feeling when I created this? You know, how am I feeling about it now? And then go into the future. Okay, you know, based on what I'd like to create in my life and in my business, you know, what will I be feeling when I create those things? And, you know, we live in this world of our feeling. And so it's really powerful when you can do that because whatever I'm feeling, that's what I'm going to attract to myself. You know, if I'm feeling, you know, abundant, I'm going to attract more abundant situations, more abundant people, more abundant, you know, ideas. Yeah. When you're working with clients, are you also covering things like their time management and, and productivity in an office or within their team? Is that something you talk them through as well? Yeah, pretty, pretty often because, you know, even really high performers, you know, clients that are making, you know, well beyond seven figures. And part of the problem is they just keep stuffing more in the calendar mm -hmm. and they, they, they get really busy, but it's not always productive, right? And Peter Drucker had a great quote in The Efficient Executive where he said, you know, there's nothing so useless as doing efficiently that which shouldn't be done at all. Mm, that's and, great. Yeah, what a great quote. And I was like, yeah, well, what'd you do all day? Well, I trimmed the front yard by hand with a pair of scissors. Look how uniform it is. Like it took me 18 hours, but it looks awesome. Like, yeah, we probably could do something more productive with our time. And, you know, just people already know what they need to do, as you know, but it's so helpful to get an unbiased source who can just give you a safe space, you know, that coaching environment to get, you know, your thoughts and your words out in front of you with mm -hmm. no judgment. And if there is a bias, the bias is to help you get whatever it is you want. Yeah. And I think to the badge of busy is what I call it. And, and I have kind of made a blanket policy for myself that it, when someone asks me, how are you doing? I don't say I'm busy. 
Like I won't say I'm busy anymore because it's, it's so reinforcing of like the having so many things to do and it, this artificial sense of self-importance or like you have to impress other people with how busy you are or something. And the reality is if you're that busy, you're probably just not using your time all that well. And so, so we also want to make sure that you're approaching the things that you have to do with gratitude, right? You, you get to work on something that you're excited about and that you love to do. You get to take care of a beautiful home. So just trying to shift some of that mindset and language around this, oh my God, I'm so busy. I have so many things to do energy versus, all right, here's, I get to do all these amazing things. I'm so grateful for it. Here's a plan to approach the the tasks that I have to do. Yeah. I think gratitude's so often ignored because of maybe the simplicity of it like yeah yeah yeah, gratitude i know i need to be grateful like okay cool but are you (laughs) you know are you practicing some sort of gratitude like gratitude is an intentional focus on things you love whatever you focus on expands in your life if you focus on busy you're going to get more busy Mm -hmm. you focus on love you get more love like that's pretty simple but you know actually executing it is not always you know just the standard way we do it because we've been trained by you know society whatever it's like work hard and shut up and go to work for 40 years get a gold watch then you die it's awesome right right yeah and and that I saw a great quote too I mean like a internet meme of and I'm so glad I left my nine to five to become an entrepreneur and work 24 hours a day so making sure that we're also taking pause taking time to take care of ourselves do hobbies go for walks and find those things that we enjoy doing because most of us did choose this life for that time freedom. Yeah. Well, self-care is like your social responsibility. It's not just about you. If you don't take care of yourself, you're going to be a less impactful version of you. You're not going to be able to serve at the level you could serve at. You're probably, if you're totally neglecting self-care, you're probably not a lot of fun to be around, quite Mm -hmm. frankly, because you probably got a bad attitude because you're coming out sideways. And I'm talking to past Kevin for sure here. But, you know, self-care is, man, it's not selfish. It's like our responsibility. And, you know, if you don't take care of yourself, it's like you're a spring that's always sprung, right? And there's no power in that. Like the power of the spring comes from the coil. And, you know, sometimes like sitting and, you know, doing very little to nothing is one of the most powerful things you can do. You know, being busy is trying to force things to be the way you want. And that's also where you're going to get the most inspired. I mean, I get the best ideas when I'm out for a walk away from my desk and my computer, or when I'm at the beach reading a fiction book, like that's, yeah. that's where I get, I have a sticky pad in my shower because that's where I get good ideas, right? Like you, you have to take a, a break from the, the day to day to reconnect with the mission what your vision was and to get inspired again. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so crucial. And, you know, that's a lot of self-awareness on your part, you know, knowing the places you go that you get inspired because, you know, inspiration is really, really great, right? Because that's where we get like the connection to the infinite part of us. But if I'm so busy, like there's no Mm -hmm. room for creation to flow through me. And so everything's just coming from some sort of regurgitation from my mind, you know, some known thing. And that doesn't mean it's going to be bad, but it's not going to be as powerful as it could be. We all have this infinite part of us that lies beyond the thinking mind. And, you know, like there's, you know, reams of text written on that. So if you want to <laughs> learn more about it, help yourself. But, you know, you call it the superconscious, you know, God, you know, the spirit, universe, whatever you want. But like there's something really, really powerful beyond your finite mind, meaning your mind has a beginning and an end, no matter how much you know, 
there's still an end to it, but we come from, you know, infinite intelligence. So why wouldn't you leverage that? Yeah. And do that. Like I said, however works best for you. Right. I think there's also, unfortunately, sometimes when someone says self-care, they think about these like indulgent mornings or fancy breakfasts or, you know, what, and it just, it's becoming almost this overused phrase but at the end of the day it can be something as simple as a walk right a a long walk it can be whatever you need it to be but it doesn't have to be fancy or expensive or something you pay for gratitude is a form Mm -hmm. of self-care you know just being grateful like you said grateful you know for the life you have like you have certainly some things that you probably used to wish for and you certainly have some things that other people wish for if you're listening to this right now your life's going pretty good that you have the ability to listen to a podcast fair enough and yeah there's a lot of people who don't have the capability to do that yeah what is your favorite way to relax self-care yeah i'd love to be in nature as much as possible i love being in uh, i mean beaches are cool for sure but probably the mountains if i got if i got the pick and i really like working hard when i'm doing that like i just got done climbing mount rainier and that was that's pretty hard but it wow was awesome. that's very cool how yeah. was that it was, it was amazing it was i mean i summited all of the peaks in dallas texas you know the 450 foot peak and i had to drive two hours to do that so you know i've been out there a lot and it's such an impressive mountain and the first time i went there I'm like i want to see what it looks like on the top and it took me like a while to train for that because you had to be pretty creative in Texas. But I got there and I went out there with my brother and it was really, really cool. Just got to meet some really great people that were with us and the guides were great. And it was, it was amazing. Yeah. It was such a cool experience. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I'm admittedly much of a hiker. I'm more of a relax on the beach kind of outdoors person, but I always admire people who kind of go for it. Cause that's awesome. Yeah, I- that's- that's cool. At the beach too. So that's good yeah, for you. I do live at the beach. Exactly. <laughs> I bought hiking boots for a girl's trip to Sedona. And all of a sudden I was like, I'm going to be a hiker. And oh, it was Sedona's a great trip. Awesome. Oh, my f- oh, I love it Sedona. Was, I loved it. It was beautiful. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so good there. Yeah. But those were like the last time I wore the hiking. <laughs> well, they're broken now and they're ready. They're broken in. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Kevin, where can people find you to learn more about the work you do? And if they're interested in, in partnering with you in some way. Sure. You can go to Kevin Keppel, Instagram or LinkedIn. Stop by, say hi. I love new friends. I love to really just serve any way I can. And if you guys, anything resonated with you, definitely check out Chelsea too, man. She's a powerful woman. She's got a really big heart and a big brain. So she's got that beautiful combination and, and I would love to work with somebody like her. If, if uh, you have the need, definitely look into her. Thank you. Life. Yeah. And I'll put all of your information in the show notes. Cause I think it's going to be easy and accessible, but this has been really great conversation. I feel like we have a lot more we could talk about too. And I really enjoyed getting to know you. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks Chelsea. Thank you for enjoying another episode of From Overwhelmed to Under Control. I hope you're feeling one step closer to your goals. Don't forget to check out the show notes and follow along on Instagram at Chelsea and Coaching. I look forward to talking to you soon.